PBM Star Trek Podcast. PBM Star Trek Podcast. That's right. Today on BBM Productions, we're talking about Star Trek. Uh, where it's been, where it's going, what it's all about. Uh, I'm joined, of course, by Brian and Bill. And go. Where is it going? Let's not think about that in CBS's hands. Has it always been CBS? I think it has, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but the hands they put it in now, from what I hear, I don't like that. I would rather focus on the good old days before it all went, uh, I wouldn't say shit. It still has some value. Yeah, it's pretty bad, though. I have to agree with you. I haven't been keeping up. First episode of Picard, I'm like, why is this remind? Oh, this is like Serenity. No, it's not like Serenity. This is trying to be worse. It's kind of like a bunch of sci-fi themes mashed together. Particles of sci-fi? <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's kind of like oh, iRobot and Serenity and and then throw in some James Bond there for good measure. It's just all kinds of stuff. Yeah. This is why I don't like it. Seems to be just copycat, and Star Trek used to just do go to the beat of their own drum. As we said before, the original Star Trek was rather rough. It was really good, but it was in its I emphasis mean, stages with Kirk and Spock. I mean, we dissed on it last podcast for not having the best characters. Probably didn't even have the best storylines. If you watch the pilot episode, that was just funny. I'm sure for its time, though, you know, I mean, I can't say because, you know, none yeah. of us were there, but I'm sure for its time, you know, it was pretty innovative and pretty interesting. Because if you look at a lot of the, sh- the TV that was out then, it's kind of along the same lines, even like stuff like old Batman show and stuff like that is a kind of. Yeah, it was a product of and, its time, yeah. it, but it had greater moralistic lean-ins, except for Kurt getting with every Woman under the sun. I guess product of its time. I mean, hey man, spread that love around. I feel like Star Trek is kind of at the point that Star Wars is as well, where you're really not going to win. It's hard to strike a balance between pleasing the purists that love the franchise and made it what it is, and still attracting new fans, you know? See, I I don't know if I agree with that. Because I don't know if it's a, a, a lack of... Like, ability to please everyone, it's just they suck at it. <laughs> I mean, the Orville is a good example. They sort of follow the earlier Star Trek model, and they're actually doing successful. Seth from pa- Yeah, but pa- they don't... Sorry, they don't have decades of other work to be compared to. It's yeah, the they don't have to adhere to a universe's rules, yeah, yeah. But it is significantly better than any of the, the current Star Trek shows or Star Trek shows in a while. I love the Orville. <laughs> Pretty good. I actually caught a... I haven't been keeping up with it. Continue, Mike. I was going to say, I caught a couple of clips of Discovery earlier, and it didn't look half bad, to be honest. Oh, the video quality is great. But as I said... Oh, I, yeah, visually, I, yeah. I took a principal stand on that. I mean, originally I didn't have CBS All Access. You know, I think that's it, though, is I think they're leaning too much on, on visuals, you know, to carry it. Oh, how pretty does it look? You know, same with the films. They're more worried about 
you know, production quality and, and special effects than they are about writing a story that you and characters that you care about. Also, the fact that they want to go back to the beginning and sort of like rewrite the history. I think that's a common thing that's been destroying a lot of sci-fi. Doctor Who did the same thing recently, and that did it's not lazy. go. I mean, path, trail your own path. I, it, to me, it's just it's lazy writing. I really believe that, that all these reboots or let's go back to do another origin story in movies and in and in uh, television, it's just lazy. You know, they, they don't know where to go with it. They don't want to bother to do the, the research to make sure that what they're doing stays within canon. So they're just like, screw it. We're going to reboot the whole thing and write it however we want to write it, you know, or even do sometimes blatantly the same stories over again just with new shiny you know production value and and uh you know special effects i I don't know it's kind of annoying yeah i think that's kind of how you wound up with picard though because i always feel like star trek is the superman of science fiction franchises where it's very shiny and it's very moralistic and it can almost like do no wrong this world that you built you know it's it's all everything's fine and, and it does make sense to me for them to go back in time to where things were for lack of a better term i know it's a cliche now to when things are a little bit more gritty you know and not everything is quite as polished and shiny and sheen you know um so i i could be wrong but i feel like that's why they on top of the laziness like you don't really need a destination for your series because it already has a destination right right so you can just tell these stories, but I also feel like some of the appeal is to add, to add mo- more quote realism. See that I, I don't know. That's to me is is what ruins it. You know, I it just I don't know. There's so much sci-fi that's like that. That's dark. That's gritty. The one thing that that to me always made Star Trek sort of stand out from that was the the more positive you know, viewpoints on humanity. Uh, and they they just completely disregard that with a lot of these newer things like the J.J. Abrams movies and some of these new series is they, they toss that out the window and it, I, I find it, you know, to be kind of, I don't know, frustrating. And, and now it's just like any other, any other sci-fi, you know, film or show. Yeah, I mean, the original Star Trek was a... Western, pretty much in space. Yeah. And yeah, they went off of that model. That's why you had the cowboy James T. Kirk, or whatever that middle initial was, go off, ride into the sunset, battle. But they evolved it from there. Next Generation, even Voyager, Deep Space Nine. It built up a rather legacy for the Federation being a solid but flawed system trying to keep the system together but then they threw that out with picard i'm not even gonna bring up std that disease (laughs) uh sorry i had to make that joke they just threw it out and say the federation is bad and corrupt from what i mean i didn't keep was that an under theme of the new picard yeah there was a lot of like i guess infiltration espionage kind of stuff of you know with the the federation was there any of the sort of, you know, meta textual uh, philosophy found in it? 
Okay, get ready to drink, boys. I'm going to bring up an anime. There was like a anime <laughs> called Kino's Journey. It basically, the episode consisted of this traveler going city to city. Each city had its own society, own weird rules, and the main character sort of like, you know, visited it and tried to take it all in. Sometimes they would get in a fight. Sometimes they would just enjoy the environment, even when nothing was going on or other people were dying they're just like okay this is their culture i'm a traveler to experience this and that's how the sort of star trek at least next generation then you had deep space nine which was more about diplomacy how to stop wars and how to ethically fight the ethics of war so to speak and you had voyager which was just another adventure a journey to get back home all those themes fit with what I felt about Star Trek at the time. And what is it now? Conflict? Another Star Wars clone? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it just now it just kind of gets lost in the, the din of sci-fi, you know. Sci-fi action, not the yeah, sort of... Yeah. Even doing the whole uh, humanoid aspects of the androids, it's been done to death. If they would have done this... They explored that in Next Generation with Data very well. That's probably why they're like, okay, let's take the Data thing and evolve it further, but no. Do you think that... I I can't imagine, just like Star Wars, I can't imagine that they ever sunset the franchise. Do you think that they'll be making Star Trek-related content until the day we die? I guess it just depends on whether or not it remains marketable. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're obviously pivoting now, so I'm, I'm sure they, you know, you just take a familiar IP. Even if I wonder if they've ever had a script where, like, it, it was not written as a Star Trek show or movie, and they're like, you know what, this would make a really good Star Trek story. Let's switch a few of the themes around. Instead of the Gleep Lorps, they're the Klingons now, you know, mm-hmm. fit it into the universe. Um, just to have that... Yeah, probably, right? I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Because it's just such a marketable brand. Until the brand really jumps the shark um, several times, because you can get away with a couple shark jumpings and just kind of ignore it, wait a few years, do something else. Um, are they out of stories to tell in that? Like you said, they've they've kind of covered a lot of the... You know, they had some social commentary buried in there. And a lot of their outings. Um, how much longer can they keep doing that? I don't know. It's just so frustrating because the the universe that they bothered to build, especially through the like next generation and Deep Space Nine era, is so vast that there's just so many stories that you could tell with a decent set of writers and and the ability to to take some chances. You know, I don't know. Could even move away from the Federation if you wanted to, you know, base an entire show on the Klingons or or on the Romulan Empire or something, you know, something that would it, it can fit within the canon, but also be something new and unique and a different aspect to explore. But they just don't do that. They they churn out what they think is what everybody wants and with all this stylized crap, and it, and it just doesn't work. It hasn't worked for quite a while. I wonder if part of that, this is a completely an offshoot and, and complete conjecture, I guess, but I wonder if part of that is because, because that's a great idea. Uh, 
Let's see a, a show almost like a reverse fairy tale about what the Romulans were thinking during the wars, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I wonder if, it's, it sounds weird to say, I wonder if some of that is money-driven, where every, you know, the majority of the shots in every show are people in, several people in full-on makeup, instead of just these random shots of, you know, you got a clang on on the bridge, and then you see one on the yeah. view screen, but that's it, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. Like whether or not it would increase the, the production cost. Right, and it's an unproven formula. Do people really want to see a, a show about the Romulan Empire? I mean, obviously you and I would tune in, but... Yeah, I mean... Or the three me, of us would tune in, are probably the... You know, as far as Star Trek fans, I feel like, he, you know, most would watch something about the Klingons. I really wish one of us actually liked and watched some of the new series because we have no insight to why it's I mean, popular. I, Supposedly, I it watched is, Picard all the way through, but you said you didn't like it. Not really. I mean, it had its ups and downs, and it was watchable at least. Mm. And but it just was bland, you know, and a lot of a lot of very cliche things. So, how do you think CBS could get Star Trek back on track? They're talking about maybe doing the Christopher Pike. They introduced him in uh, uh, Discovery as a character. They're talking about bringing him as a captain of a ship with his second-in-command, who is a woman, uh, for their own show. To me, I think they've kind of shot themselves in the foot in a lot of ways with Picard because now they've made something canonized that is a future of the main storyline. I mean, or main timeline, I'm sorry. So they've kind of locked themselves into into that universe and the way that it's changed with Picard. Because I think that what they really should have done is not necessarily do some sort of like reunion show with, you know, with um, the Next Generation cast. Like Picard, like the way that they... They framed coming back to visit Picard, I think, was done well, that he's retired and blah, blah, blah. Like, that all makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense just to take him and plop him back on, on the Enterprise and, and pretend like nothing happened. That that would get really old really fast and feel like you're just retreading. But you could make some in-universe, like, interesting shows. I don't know. They really could have found a way to, to bring Data back if they wanted to. I mean, Nemesis kind of left it there with B4, you know, um, for them to do that. And they just didn't. They decided not to. Um, you know, or you could have followed Jordy, you know, off on, on, a, on a tangent somewhere. I don't know. They just, I feel like they should have done something that was within that universe to where we pick back up with them 25, 30 years later, right? And it, and it's progressed. Because most of the shows, even going back to Enterprise, which is a prequel to all this, show thing events in the far future. So just continue bridging that gap, you know, with interesting storylines. Because to me, really, at the end of the day, the writing, the directing, and the acting are the most important for a serialized show like that. You know, I don't, I don't need it to feel like 
a, a 10 hour movie that was broken up into into pieces you know what i mean because that's why a lot of these shows nowadays they kind of make that mistake where they've got the storyline and 10 episodes to tell it and you just kind of get fatigued you know it's just there's too much going going on action wise not enough story progression everything seems dragged out you know and you got all these like sort of semi cliffhangers from week to week but but the story's really not progressing more than if you had a two hour or three hour movie so you're so, thinking you're almost saying like the streaming model is sort of ruining the episode to episode thing like mandalorian yeah, yeah. did a good basis they had episodes i mean it, it was part of a greater overlong storyline but they had episodes that felt solid by themselves Right, which is what most of the good Star Trek shows had. Like, there's overarching themes, right? You know, the there's a conflict with a, another planet, or, or and you see like character progressions. You know, Data and Geordi's interactions and how their friendship grows over time with or like O'Brien and Bashir, and you know, so there's those things that connect episode to episode. But you can pretty much watch. You know, for the exception of a few, you know, double episodes, you could watch a, an episode of Star Trek Next Generation or Deep Space Nine or Voyager and not feel like you, you have no yeah. idea what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, they stand alone to themselves. Um, but they also, if you watch an entire season, they, they link up through the characters. And that's the part I think that they have gotten away from, much to their detriment, is that they, they just don't bother developing characters much anymore or or storylines right they don't really bother fleshing out you know individual storylines for an episode they just you know like i said it feels like they write a movie and then they're like okay well, how do we stretch a two and a half hour film into 10 hours for a season bill you're pretty much you're forgetting we're in the michael bay era explosions instead of oh, story God, yeah i know Amazing <laughs> graphics instead of good characters. So what you're saying is Michael Bay has ruined yet another beloved franchise no, no, by I, proxy, right? <laughs> I think Michael Bay is a symptom of this. The only reason for Michael Bay to be popular is because, as much as I hate to say this, uh, I think we need M. Night Shyamalan to actually do a Star Trek. With a twist. Well, With a twist. I would love to see, I don't know if I'm alone on this, but I would love to see, or at least I wouldn't mind seeing a like 10 part mini series that's just, maybe that's too long for a mini series, where it's just like espionage. Someone's infiltrating Starfleet and this is almost like. That's literally what it is. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, no space battles, no uh, captains doing what's right. None of that. Just well, I mean, honestly, that's what Picard is. Really? Yeah. There's very few, like, I don't know. There's very little, like, space battle. Very. There's not really like Picard making too many like grandiose, hard decision type of stuff. It they what you're talking about is literally what they did with Picard. Well, maybe the other way around then. Maybe it's a saboteur. Maybe you know the Starfleet is trying a new initiative. They've never mm-hmm. done this before, but they're getting to the point where they have to have a saboteur involved, and they mm-hmm. send uh, Earth-born Cardassian or whatever to Cardassia to 
carry out the wishes yeah, of Starfleet. They, they sort of dropped that whole Cardassian thing. Did that war at the end or of whatever. Space I'm just Nine saying. mess everything up with uh, the wormhole? I know it pretty much got nuked. I, I'm vague I honestly don't that. remember how yeah. the Dominion War ended. The Cardassian was like so destroyed from yeah. it. That, yeah. Yeah. They got pretty messed up in that war they had. But yeah. And the Borg. Have the Borg even come back? I mean, the Borg were a good concept. They were, yeah. To work with. I'm at 7 of 9. As much as I really got annoyed at Voyager at times with their usage of the Borg, it was a good concept. It's a good working model. Same thing with Hugh. It was... A good mm-hmm. thing that I think would have worked better than freaking androids based off of data s- models. His children, data's children. Yeah. I mean, they they made some of the right references and stuff to to tie it together. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, it like, just. Well, go ahead. It was a patched together uh, freak uh, Frankenstein of Star Trek science fiction, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some some cool things that they sort of began to explore, but then just didn't. So it just felt like weird, like references to things, you know. Because <laughs> you get like the, you know, I don't know, the Romulans are tied in, and then there's like small tie-ins from the Borg, and the, you know, and then they they seem to imply that the race that that data's like offspring or whatever you know you want to call them are trying to contact is the same race that that built uh V'ger from from the original motion picture and sent it back to earth like you know what i mean so there's like there's interesting tie-ins but then they Right when you think, well, oh, that's something cool to explore, they just kind of, you know, that's it. Member Chewbacca, member. Yeah, yeah. A lot of member berries, yeah. I mean, J.J. Abrams was not that bad in the beginning with the Fringe. I think he did Dollhouse. They were interesting concepts. How did he go from that to a reboot track? I I liked the first reboot movie. Okay, the first one was good. It was heading in a bad direction, I could tell. I'm like, okay, this is getting a little flashy, a little bit confusing. Yeah, the flashiness, I didn't... And keep in mind, I'm like... I like Deep Space Nine, but I'm not like a balls-to-the-wall fan. I'm a casual fan at best, you know? Uh, but I liked... And maybe that, maybe that's... Maybe they were, they were selling to me, Right? As a casual fan, they're trying to get a casual fan in the seat. And I, I like that they kind of mess with the timeline and, and reset it to where things could be different this go-round, you know? So you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Anyone can die at any point in time. I liked that a lot. And some of it was cliche for sure and kind of ham-handed at times. But on the whole, I thought it was a... Entertaining movie, you know? Yeah, Into Darkness is where they lost me. That was not good, in my opinion. Had its moments I don't even rem- There were three, right? I don't even yeah, remember the I, second. I didn't Which one was Khan? That was Into Khan Darkness, was the third one? I think. Yeah, no, I, I think it was the second one. No, I think Into Darkness was Khan. 
Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, the one with Khan was the second one. Yeah. Okay. What was the third one? I have no clue. I didn't watch it. I didn't pay I any attention. It. It's not memorable. Something about the moon? Wait, that's probably Michael's base. Something third about the moon. One. That's probably Michael Bay's. See, all of them are colliding. And why is all these films done by all these high-profile directors? I mean, yeah, they, they have a name that brings people in, but they're, I guess they're just marketable. I'm sure that's a studio decision. Marketable and proven. We're really going to hand the keys to one of the most lucrative franchises in the United States, the Sun Amateur. <laughs> well, we're in the age of reality TV. Why not do a contest for who can write the best scripts? <laughs> okay, that would be an interesting way. Basically, do a reality show. Okay, we're doing a nationwide search for writers and directors to give us the best Star Wars plots. And we're going to vote this on live TV. In this contest, they have all these singing competitions. Text I mean, and giant a five four three three two. Pretty much okay. HBO did that with a uh, green light project, green light with movie directors and writers. They had a contest of people coming together. I think it's a smart model. You have a show, basically a reality TV show about people trying. And you would get some rabbit Trekkies. There was a documentary, Trekkies, which was a hit. What other documentary would be that popular with that sort of fandom? It shows just the power of Star Trek. The problem is the generational divide of old Trekkies and the people that the studios think they're trying to bring in with this new Trek. The other question I have about your earlier comment... What had J.J. Abrams done to deserve these these huge franchises? Like go go Google his his IMDb because I I really can't think of anything. Fringe had a had cult following. So what he was like a TV producer, and you're going to give him not only Star Trek, but I'm then eventually Star him, Wars. I'm like, I, I don't, don't know get it. Because everybody acted like he was like this directing god when when he took over for Star Trek, and I'm like, I I don't I had never heard of him before. So, um, executive producer on Alias. Um, what about your brain? I don't know that. Six Degrees. I don't know that. Producer on Cloverfield. Uh, <laughs> Lost. He was behind I Lost. Hated. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan either. Uh, oh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol was after Star Trek, which is interesting. Yeah, I guess to your point, uh, leading up to Star Trek, he had, uh, let's look at his director credits here. Felicity. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Well, here, here you go. Felicity lost alias Mission Impossible 3. The Office. Uh, <laughs> so some TVs, uh, TV shows in uh, a junk movie. Fair enough. Yeah, was Mission Impossible 3? I remember Mission Impossible 2 not being good, but I can't remember. I mean, I don't remember. So that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah. 
just another you know popcorn action flick and you know that's what all sure. the Mission Impossible's ended up boiling down to. Yeah, I miss the espionage. So yeah, so like that that's just kind of my point. Like I'm not sure where all of a sudden everybody was like, "Oh, JJ Abrams, he's a genius when it comes to these sci-fi, you know." I'm like, "It's not James Cameron, you know. Uh, you know, calm down." He's not even Shyamalan. He directed an episode of Jimmy Kimmel Live. <gasps> oh. Man. I would like they were kicking around Quentin Tarantino's name for a while for a... Uh, they were. A written and directed Star Trek movie. I would love to see that. Just to see They're how probably it the is. the weirdest thing ever, yeah. What, what do you think? I feel like Bill is... And correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but I feel like Bill is probably the most well-read... Star, I'm using quotes here. Our staunchest Star Trek fan. Unless I'm mistaken. Perhaps he sat there... Uh, Picard, uh, something I only watched the first episode of. So what would your take, as the staunchest Star Trek fan in the room, Bill, what would your take be on, on whether or not you'd want to see a, a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek? My first reaction is no way. But I don't know. I'd have to see it. You know, because some of... He's he's super hit or miss for me. I'm not sure why, but... Like, I That's don't know, fair. Like, some of his movies, I'm like, oh, this was was really good, you know, Inglorious Bastards, Django, like a few others, but like, but then you get to, you know, like I watched um, the um, that one with DiCaprio the other day, and I'm like, what the hell is this, you know? Which it wasn't. It was pretty well. The dialogue was pretty well written. the The acting was well done, but just just no story there. Yeah, yeah I didn't time. understand what the story was. Once upon a time in Hollywood, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think he's at the end of his rope, and he just wanted just, to go back to a simpler time and do a rewrite of history. And some of his films are just just garbage. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, just straight garbage. And you Hateful Eight them, you was know, pretty Hateful bad. Eight was terrible. was terrible, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes I he didn't does enjoy it, but the cinematography kind of made up for a lot of that. Michael. Well, he's always it good with cinematography, so but yeah. some of the stories he works with, I mean, Dust Till Dawn was pretty bad story pretty bad. over, but he made it decent, even with some George Clooney. I do not like him as an actor, but he worked well in that film. He's a good film director, but not all the stories he does are good. I think he's somewhat of an edge lord of the directors. I think he would do better with Star Trek than any of the current people, but I don't think that's the direction older fans would like, and I think even newer fans would probably be off book by it. So probably, I just want to see it. I just want to see what a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie would be. I will tell you, yeah, I, the curiosity for me is yeah. there. I'm sure a lot of people would be curious. Would they want to see it made? That's debatable. And I think with the the rebooted characters would probably be the best fit for him. And I would I would rather see another a film from him than another one from J.J. Abrams at this point. Yeah. I mean, if it's Tarantino's <clears throat> style, I mean, as you said, Bill, what did J.J. Abrams really do to deserve him all these roles? I mean, all these producers, directors, seat decisions. I mean, you had Steven Spielberg, 
You had even uh, the guy we rag on for Star Wars all the time. Yeah, I doubt you would have been able to get him to to do anything with, <clears throat> but either one of them. Then but Taran- why not give it? Tarantino even had his movies that he proved his success with. Yeah. Okay, so knock on his films all you like. He has proven films. Pulp Fiction, even Reservoir Dogs. But Why? I mean, it would have been interesting to see, like, I don't know, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg try that, or, you know, or Ridley Scott. Why not give it to somebody who really knows what to do with sci-fi, you know? Mm. If you want to make something that's that's a little more in-depth, a little darker, you know, that would have been probably my choice even james cameron you know i know everybody mm-hmm. hates on him for avatar lately but the man did make some some damn good movies in his time yeah. you know spe- avatar was not that area. bad it just no it wasn't yeah just the, got too much hype yeah it got way too much hype it was okay and it was it was and it was a story that had been done a lot yeah a tired old trope that people seen too much but it wasn't a bad film overhyped and over-budgeted, yeah. yes. But see, there's also a difference between writing and directing. Yes. And I feel like that may be an issue, too, is nowadays with both the, the shows and and the, the movies especially, they give too much creative control to one person, you know, where they're like, he's writing and directing and producing, and that that's that's difficult for anybody. Yeah. And also with the hang, I consider it almost like a noose around also. It's sort of a thing. They'll take a director off of something like everyone wants to see the Snyder Cut of Justice League, right? Yeah. Why was he pulled? I mean, I think there was a legitimate reason why he pulled out of that. I think there was a death in the family or some tragedy that... Yeah, I think his daughter died. Yeah. Something. I mean, that... But also... But they pulled people, directors before... Hell, in video games, they pulled someone's name off, Kojima, from uh, the last Metal Gear Solid. I also think either one of James Cameron or Ridley Scott would have been better for Star Wars as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I bet you they tried. Zumeckis. Spielberg. I'm not really sure why they didn't even try for someone like Spielberg, but he's kind of I, I done. I think at this point, he's just getting old. Well, they're trying. Yeah, to I don't get see Spielberg doing blood. it again. They're trying to get newer blood, and J.J. Abrams is new blood. Same thing with Ryan Johnson. Did he really prove himself ever? I don't know why he was put in that role. Anyways, what did he do? Looper. Yeah, I don't like Ryan Johnson. I don't like. I think I've liked any Ryan Johnson movie. But I'll, I can look him up if you want. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the decisions. These things are getting too big. I mean, you can see some decent stuff in fandom. Uh, the fandom. Oh, Knives Out. I did want to see Knives Out. That looked pretty good. It's Ryan Johnson? Eh, not really. What I want to see, actually, is something like Bloomhouse is doing with horror, but with science fiction. As, I don't know how that is. Well, you guys probably aren't into horror. They put out a lot of movies under their Bloomhouse production present. A lot of them are crap, but you get some decent stories. They did the... No, that's a horrible one. Uh, 
The Purge is one that I can bring up. Mm. It's really not the movies that are important because they're mostly horrible. There's only like one, like 10% of the Bloomhouse movies are any what good. But at least it's a production company that gives smaller auteurs chances to put out what they do. They don't really have anything with science fiction. Like there's a lot of low budget sci-fi movies that I've strolled past on Amazon that I'm like, if they gave people like this bigger budgets, they might be able to do something decent, something original. I don't want to, I don't really want to take us away from Star Trek and this, but getting new blood into a genre might help franchises like Star Wars, like Star Trek, getting the new blood and not these big yeah, shots. I mean, control it. Because who was Gene Roddenberry when he started out? How hard well, did he it, have to push for that? And then, see, if you're talking about something that's completely unique or something new, then I totally agree with you for, like, writing a sci-fi show. Um, but I, also, I think one of the things that they, they do seem to fail at is getting somebody who even has knowledge of of the, the, the show or the movie, right? Or the previous movies. You know, I wasn't J.J. Abrams talking about how he had like no no knowledge about either Star Trek or Star Wars. I don't remember which one it was. And I'm like, what? And he like he hadn't even seen the the shows or the movies. I'm like, what are I you think it was about? Star Trek. I think it was Star Trek. Yeah, I think, I think it was, was Star Trek. Star Wars yeah. fan. And I'm like, that makes no sense to me. You know how how could you make something? that is a beloved franchise make a new movie that's going to bring in new people and satisfy fans if you have no knowledge of of that franchise at all destroy the past kill it if you must yeah yeah, yeah. just it just doesn't the last make sense Jedi. to me yeah there's I, I agree getting some new blood in there would be good but, but there's also a fine line where uh, I mean, again, I don't know. Like we discussed before, J.J. Abrams didn't have a lot of work going into Star Trek. A lot of uh, his resume wasn't that long. Let's talk about Picard, okay? The original Next Generation. A lot of people did not think he would work as the captain. They're like, he's too old, bald, isn't good for a captain, yada, yada, yada. Out of the captains, I think he was the most successful. And that sort of started a sort of uh, trend among captains for Star Trek. You had then had Cisco. He wasn't a captain. He was a commander, but that was good. That was Eventually a, became a, ca- a captain. Yeah, he did later in the series. But he started off as a commander of this ragtag space station, and he built his way up. He was also classically trained. I think uh, Kate Magoon, how, whatever her last name is, Captain Janeway, the actress who played that, I think she had a strong background also. They took strong theatrical themes with those three series. And even Enterprise, the only reason I considered watching it and did watch it for a few episodes because it had Scott Bale, or however you say his mm, name. Bacula. Bacula. I always want to yeah. say... Uh, Joni loves Chachi. Yeah, <laughs> Scott Bale... Uh, talking about bad actors, zapped. Such a horribly wonderful movie. 
So what were you saying? Sorry. <laughs> kind of distracted by the Scott Bayo. I don't think anything one said anything after that. Or I lost no, my I mean, train of thought. Yeah. What was the point you were getting around to? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Classically trained actors and sort yeah. of bringing it to the character. And then they threw it away for as much as I like Chris Pine. He's just a pretty back then. He was just a pretty boy actor. He had some talent. They went with the pretty popular actors after that. Yeah, I think he's a good blend of a pretty man mixed with. I mean, they they were going for obviously a, a, a they wanted to highlight the gruff and tumble, rough and tumble side of Captain Kirk, right? So yeah, I think Chris Pine is a fantastic choice to be honest. Yes, but I'm not saying that was a bad choice for that movie, but it started a trend pushing away. What sort of credits does anyone of uh, Star Trek Discovery have? I don't know. Maybe they have. Reputable careers. I think someone from Discovery had a decent career, but what? Yeah, Michael there were a few. I, saw, I think Tig Nataro was in there, which she's a comedian, so whatever. Also, the chick that was in Sunshine, one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. She was in there, the uh, botanist or whatever from Sunshine. I saw her in there, the five oh. clips that I watched. I mean, I know that with Discovery, they were trying to break away I mean, from here's the, the thing, formula. though. With, with theatrical, classically trained Shakespearean actors, you've never heard of them anyway. Yeah. What did you know uh, Patrick Stewart from prior to Next Generation? Nothing, right? Because he was doing fucking Shakespeare with the London Theater Company. So I agree with you. I agree with you in that they need to... Th- there's a reason why a lot of these Shakespearean actors do so well when they're given big budget roles because they can fucking act, you know? I'm just so. saying they didn't take the standard Hollywood model on it. I wasn't actually saying Shakespearean actors. That was just a trend that actually worked out very well. Which, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. You know why it's, I think it worked particularly well for Star Trek is because they were able to deliver the lines mm, without yeah. breaking character, right? Because a lot of you, what you say, you know, in Shakespearean English a lot of times doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense but you have to stay in that character uh, as you say the lines right so i think it's a lot the same you know translated well to sci-fi because when they're talking about you know techno babble right techno babble they it it's just a line for them that they're able to deliver in character and, and it's not you know i mean that that same skill translates i think yeah and on the reverse they had the writers that were good enough to utilize such yeah. talents for the monologues and, and oh, plus they're good at bringing like more emotion to the characters than I think they allow for on a lot of like TV and movies. Now everything is, you know, they don't allow them to have as much emotion as, as you think it should have in that particular moment anymore. Seems manufactured. I don't know. Uh, back to Discovery, they actually used the tardigrade. I told you about the plagiarism. I even sent you guys the articles. I don't know if you've read it, but it doesn't really matter in this podcast since other people might have not read it. But basically, why did they use the tardigrade? Because they were plagiarizing or if it was just a weird concept that was sort of used before? I had no a space tardigrade to use teleporting and space travel. They already had systems 
for space travel already established and they tried to go to the origins i don't know the point of that i mean just yeah. introduce in random either it was stolen or it was a concept that was some theoretical science fiction just don't know I mean, where i've told i've told you before by and large i think the writing and directing for tv and movies in the last decade or so or maybe a little bit more than that has been crap or 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 strongly on the decline well i don't think it's crapped i think it's micromanaged okay because everyone has an eye with the advent of the internet people want to mass market all the media they send out into the world for the whole world as much fans as they can get here's another one of my tropes china a lot of hollywood deny it if you want a lot of hollywood markets movies in mind towards china and that sort of well, no i i that's not and that's not what i'm talking about i know I, and that you do have a point with that and that you know that is something that i know has been an issue within Hollywood, in the, especially in the last couple of years, is moving into that market and and filling the needs of that. Which honestly, I think they could probably do with some more creative editing. But whatever. Um, but I'm talking about just the the like really basic stuff, like the inability to write believable dialogue, the inability to direct actors to give you the 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 lines that you need. You know, I. Because you watch a show or you, you watch a movie and there'll be some line delivery that is so bad it literally takes you out of the experience. Like for that moment, you're like, what the hell was that? You know, and I'm like, so there's producers standing there and a guy in a director's chair that you're paying an absurd amount of money and all this this crap editors, everybody else. And that's the best take of that line that you could come up with. I'm like, so it just leads me to believe that either nobody cares or they're just like worried about, you know, money and time more than, than the product. I don't know what it is, but it just seems like the directing has been crap and the, the writing has been crap because they come up with this kind of overarching story which sometimes is not too bad, but they just can't fill in the gaps. They can't they write terrible dialogue. They, they, the, the filler and the connector pieces to get from, you know, beginning, middle to end are terrible. And I don't know, just no standards for, for, for the writing or the directing. Can you give I'm us an sure example why. from like Star Trek or uh, some other science fiction to put in context? I mean, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head, but it's I've just been watching shows lately, and, and I'm like, like I said, you, you'd just be watching, and then an actor will deliver a line so poorly that it, that it's almost like you want to like turn the show off there because it's just laughable. And it, and I, there was a lot of that kind of stuff to me um, in like the new Star Wars movies, things where you're just kind of. Kind of crazy. They fly now. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think this is also the advent of the internet. Again, I'm going to blame Michael Bay. Again, cramming those lines in the Transformers for the fandom, for the member berries, all that crap. Just the constant feedback loop that this digital marketplace gives. We're replacing um, actual good techniques 
tried and true techniques, story storylines that are tried and true, like the hero's journey, just mm-hmm. completely messing with them just because people are tired of these. They think they're pragmatic. It's like a dozen of different reasons people are trying a whole bunch of new stuff. But I agree that they should be trying the new stuff, just not in well-established series like Star Wars and Star Trek. And as you said before, people need to be building up reputations and not just giving this mantle. Saying, okay, this guy is popular. Let's give him this movie. I find that rather ridiculous. Yeah. It's the same way with Hollywood actors in some cases, like George Clooney and Batman and Robin. Really? I think he was a decent choice, actually. No, he wasn't. Sure he was. No. George Clooney for the time, apologized for doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he was pretty bad. He, he did an okay Bruce Wayne. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He yeah. did a good Bruce, there was, Bruce Wayne. But I don't, that, I don't, I don't blame him for the failings of that movie. I don't think he's the one that no. decided to say never leave the cave without it. You know? Oh yeah, no, yeah. Writing and directing were terrible for that yeah. movie. Yeah, but so almost, I think if he had a better script. It's just nobody, I think nobody was going to ever buy that George Clooney is out there beating people up. I mean, seriously, when you look at George Clooney, do you ever think, oh man, I bet you that guy could like kick somebody's ass, you know? I mean, Michael Keaton was not a very domineering figure. (sighs) Yeah, but he had that, I don't know. He was a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. He could play a little crazy. Even with Beetlejuice, you know, he could could be intimidating. Bit of a wild card. In more of his attitude, yeah. Right. I mean, you don't look at, at George Clooney and be like, oh, man, I bet you that guy knows, like, you know, 50 different styles of martial arts. Like, I, I like, like Tom to see Hanks. More I like Kelman. Tom Hanks, but I don't think he could play Batman. Yeah, same reason. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think... Tom Hanks would have made a terrible Batman and a terrible Bruce Wayne. Okay. I do not see him yeah. being a brooding billionaire. But I could totally see George Clooney being a brooding billionaire. Uh, yeah, now, in terms part, of... But... I mean, Christian Bale was the best embodiment of both. But Affleck was pretty good too. I really like. I, I wish they did more Val Kilmer. <laughs> he was, he, I like Val he was Kilmer. Interesting. That was just a good movie, a good fun movie that didn't take itself too seriously. You got Jim Carrey, you got Tommy Lee Jones. Thing, even Chris O'Donnell had his appeal. Even worse casting than. Then George Clooney was was uh, Schwarzenegger. Oh, oh yeah, just everything about the character. I'm like, who did the casting for this? Who did the script? <laughs> who did anything? Yeah. But oh God. Sorry for bringing up that uh, landmine. So why do you think? Okay, let's take a look at. Okay, you had the original series, low budget. You had. Original pilot, which failed, and you got Kirk, who was, you know, I guess a fairly suave guy for the time. They got that to draw the ladies. Charismatic. It had some fun stories with some adventures. So threw in some weird concepts, like the people split in half, like half black, Mm -hmm. half white. And the other were like black on the other side and white on the other and they had racial division there in some weird way even rick and morty made fun of that sort of racialized concept and you had the tribbles but i i'm not a hyper original so let's move on to next generation 
the stories that they did there. They were self-contained as we brought up already. They explored interesting concepts. Data, making of a man. They explored those sort of concepts. They even sort of explored uh, non-binary people way before anyone else with the whole race where Riker, that one, I guess, a non-binary woman who Riker sort of tried to smooch up on, but their culture really didn't believe in sex, male or females. I mean, you guys could bring up probably a dozen other off the top of your head, right? That were really interesting core concepts this is why I got into Star Trek, because they explored concepts not found other places. And then you get into the movies. Mike, as much as you love the reboot Trek, can you tell me how it differed from any other movie? Not even sci-fi, just action movie. Uh, how did any of the other ones? Well, what were some of the... kind of hitting on a point, because I think the, the beauty of what Star Trek was able to do from the, even from the original series all the way until like some of these new new um iterations in discovery and other stuff was it was able to take hum- problems that humanity faced and have us face them in a different way so you had this usually this aliens uto- were the right right so, right so you had a utopian society that that mankind had become and we weren't perfect but we had figured most of our shit out and then it had these other alien conflicts, whether it was with humanity or with each other or internally that allowed us to reflect on our own problems with like this other analog, you know? So we were, we were allowed to explore the, these controversial or hot button themes in a way that was both interesting because it had the sci-fi element but also that was non-threatening, right? Because it wasn't, we were able to see the reflection of humanity in the Klingons, or like you said, the people with their issue with the, the race with white and black on their face. Like we were able to reflect on humanity, but with, with a, a, an external component, you know what I mean? And I think we, that that's the pro, one of the major problems with some of the new shows is they've gotten away from that. They've, they've devolved into... Um, some deep-seated problems within humanity, and I, I don't know if it's it's because the writers can't can't understand uh, the way to write things that way, or they feel like they have to default to you know some sort of dystopian future to to you know fit in with other sci-fi. I'm not sure why, but they got away from that formula, and the like the original movies like dealt with something like uh, environmental issues, like whales going extinct, right? It's a big problem. Everybody was talking about Save the Whales that particular time. We've kind of forgotten about the whales now, but you know what I mean. Um, So they were like, well, let's write this whole sci-fi arc around this environmental issue, but with using a utopian society right so they got to travel back in time to pick up these whales because something had already happened environmentally that they had really no control over you know what i'm saying so that it, it still explored a lot of those themes uh, the 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 genesis project explored like the themes of playing god and how far do we go and you know could could this scientific invention be used as a weapon right which is always a big concern again it's reflecting on our current society using sci-fi 
you know, and using those those themes in a different way, which made it unique. So I don't know, like to me, a lot of the new movies just and the new shows seem shallow because they don't really do that. It is just action and oh, they're going to blow up this planet. And, you know, and that's it's pretty much the writing for one episode stretched into a movie. Well, since you guys probably aren't going to give me my Baba Verse uh, podcast, and neither one of you will read <laughs> oh my it. Gosh, the Baba Verse. Yeah. Well, what so do you me... think, Brian? Like, let's go back to what your your question. Like, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, that's what I'm. Why I'm bringing up the Baba Verse. They just it starts with the end of the world scenario, a geek going out into space and just trying to. Over three books, they build up him trying to help rebuild humanity, settling them on other planets, dealing with enemies, like there's a Brazilian enemy, and they're dealing with enemies and just trying to ramp up the technology of humanity and trying to stay out of conflict, but dealing with it in the most strategic way that they can when they come across it. And it's similar, and that's probably why I took into that book series and why so many people have took into that book series is because it has that Star Trek feel. Same thing with the Orville. There are things replacing Star Trek nowadays. Star Trek is not Star Trek anymore. It's just become the nostalgia memberberry crap. I mean, it's not all crap. There's still good moments. I'm sure there's plenty of things in Picard and... Even uh, Discovery brought in Christopher Pike, the original uh, captain, as a cameo. And they might even branch off and make a prequel to the original Star Trek using Christopher Pike as the captain of the Enterprise. Because I think they worked that into the storyline. He was the original captain and he got Mm -hmm. sent away. But they might actually bring that back as I heard rumors about that. But yeah... Sorry, I lost my train of thought. But no, yeah, I think like stuff like the Orville has done a good job at striking that balance, and that's why for me it's a great show and why it's become so popular. Is they're they're able to balance the individual episode being able to stand alone with like character development throughout a season and throughout the series. They do that really well, and they also deal with the whole like. There's flawed individuals, but for the most part, they live in a, a fairly utopian society. And there's a lot of like ability to look at social issues from like an external point of view. So they do a lot of this, the same stuff, you know. I mean, and yeah. my guess is because Seth MacFarlane is a huge Star Trek fan, he was yeah, able ma- to like pick up on that. You know? Imagine if he did a Star Trek series. I think you, yeah, and I think that that he, they probably should have, and the, I think the Orville would easily fit in, you know, with the Star Trek universe if he was writing for Star Trek versus his own show. I think he was petitioning to write a Star Trek at some point, and they wouldn't give it to him, so he just did the Orville. It, I I appreciate it too because it has it has a comedy element, which is something none of those shows have really done well. And, well, and he, he's he's done that really well. Is adding he, comedy to it. He's dialed back the comedy. I hear the first season. Yeah, was it's a, not overwhelming. Yeah, Mike, you've been awful quiet. It's getting dark. Are you getting tired and sleepy? He's going Just... into darkness. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think at some point you really have to look at pivoting or sunsetting 
just like with Star Wars, to be honest. Either pivot it out a little bit or sunset it, you know, because how many of those, oh my God, it's the Enterprise again, or oh my God, it's the Millennium Falcon. How many of those moments are you really going to, are you really going to manufacture? You know what yeah. I mean? And those moments to me, after a while, aren't even necessary. Same with Star Wars. So much to explore there. Why Why not just find an offshoot? And they've done that with The Mandalorian, and they've done it pretty well, right? You just, oh, hey, we've got this character over here with Boba Fett that everybody likes. Why don't we, we you know, go move to the side and, and follow, you know, this, this ancillary character? And yeah, the lore. The lore of right. uh, Mandalorians, which Boba Fett was part of. Right. And uh, yeah, it works I think well. Collectively, even if you're not really a fan of Star Wars in general, collectively, I think we should all breathe a sigh of relief that that did go well. Because I think yeah. a lot of the objection is from the studio who says, well, we don't know if that's going to make us money. And even something like, to use an example, the Justice League, critically panned, coming on the heels of the critically panned Batman versus Superman, but still made almost a billion dollars, you know? So it's like, well, why why would we roll the dice on something if we can just show you the Enterprise for the umpteenth time? It's the Enterprise fucking triple X now. <laughs> and, you know, you're gonna you're gonna fucking nut Hot your goddamn Spock nerd is there pants. on the on the strip. Yeah, she has to she has to mate or she's gonna die. And uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well it's such a double-edged sword because on one hand you you could say well as fans we're not doing a good job of being like look we we expect more and not supporting these these films and and tv shows right but we also know that if we don't go to see that movie that that's probably the last we'll ever see of the franchise because they don't care enough to say well that didn't fly with fans we need to like retool here and figure out you know how to how to get them back or whatever you know what i mean like yeah it's a classic DC fuck universe, you you'll buy yeah, it thing yeah exactly and dc universe is a prime example of that because you're like you know or even the mcu at this point people are like oh well you know i want to see more of those films so i'll go see the next one just so they keep making them right but you go and then you're like uh this really isn't as great as it was before. But again, you know, well, if we stop going, then they're, they'll just drop it all together and, and you'll never see anything from it. So it's kind of this weird thing. Like, I almost feel like like sci-fi fans need to, to do better at, at, like, pushing stuff like with that happened with the fucking Sonic. You know, giving more online pressure and feedback instead of just saying oh yeah it was another star wars movie uh, great because you feel like you have to you know what i mean yeah just because it was in that franchise doesn't mean we have to love it and well, we need to be more vocal about it there are plenty of fans who are being vocal about it but i'll tell you the problem with this they're trying to lump them in with the right all the right anti uh sjw stuff they're trying to consider them the alt-right there's plenty of people out there complaining about it some of them are completely toxic that's the How problem does that tie in at all yeah, i'm gonna lost there as well uh, i don't know they just trying you know, to like say complaints about like particular characters or something and that you know yes yeah. they're trying to say you don't like this diverse of uh discovery they're like no we don't like the writing we don't like the plagiarism we don't like th they have the same complaints we're all voicing and they might slant it a little bit more toxic. I have I have heard a lot of complaints 
for stuff like that center around like especially with the MCU and stuff like that. oh well this this is just another agenda thing blah 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 yeah, blah there are I some have people heard who those do. complaints about that some and that people. and that those people you know I don't know can get a little ridiculous yeah but some yeah, of them that has can get ridiculous with, with what I'm talking what we're talking about here we're talking about just regular production value stuff directing writing you know yeah and some sometimes they lump those people in. Most of them are toxic. I agree. I've tried to listen to them, and they're trying to be voices of reason, but they get lumped in, and some of them are pandering to the wrong people, I think, in my personal opinion. But there are people out there voicing this. I just wanted to bring that up before we close out, because I think we exhausted yeah. this topic, unless you guys have more to say. No, I mean, I hope that they continue to make stuff in the star trek universe I, I really do i just think that they need to you know i don't know get a little bit back to some of the core things that that have made the shows work you know and, and i think that they're, they're kind of missing the mark and i think maybe a way to do that is if you want new blood and you want new directors new writers great but i don't know maybe have have people from you know the older shows you know consult or something you know and pay more attention to to the canon that's out there pay more attention to the the format that that was popular that worked and then write new stuff you know explore some of the other other pieces of the universe i'm I'm not really sure why they keep going back to the the starfleet captain in you know and then just trying to make it more actiony and stylized I, i don't i don't get that trend yeah, I don't know why they're destroying canon also. So much of the science fiction is just yeah. destroying their canon and reveling in it. Like yeah. Doctor Who did something recently, which is just appalling to most longtime fans of the series. I mean, Star Trek tried to be... They, they actually took a good thing. They tried to do something weird, which was supposed to be the undercurrent with Discovery. It was like the spy sector. I think it was a good idea. I don't, as I said, I'm just against it for some things I hear about it. And the fact that it breaks from the mold. It was a good idea, badly executed. Yeah, uh, I agree. Star Trek was never about the big action set pieces to me. It was nice when they were involved, but... You know, I love the promenade. I love the fucking characters. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I would like to see some return to, to classical sci-fi, as it were. And just get rid of the fucking Enterprise, man. I'm, I'm tired of seeing the Enterprise. That was, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy Deep Space Nine so much. It's just a, bre- a breath of fresh air, you know? Yeah. Like, show me the universe. Fine, I like the universe you've built, but I'm, I'm sick to fucking death of seeing the same goddamn shit. And then Voyager, you know, like you said, it was a great... Adventure story at its core, you know, mm-hmm. um, give me more, give me more shit like that. Don't just make it action set pieces and. Yeah. Actions. Are Again, I would watch, I would watch something that you'd never even see a starship unless it's like in passing where like someone is literally just trying to infiltrate the, the Starfleet command in San Francisco or whatever. That sounds interesting. As I said, totally reality TV for some of these long-standing sci-fi shows. Just get a whole bunch of writers, submit. You get like 30 writers, 30 directors from all over the country, maybe internationally would be a better bet. all over that. 
Okay, you, people <laughs> submit. They pick like the ten best uh, writers and dr basically directors with sin in their skill set. Basically, a little short writers would send in a skip a script and basically top ten. <laughs> of course, I would be focused on top ten given this podcast, but you know, have them do little scenes and have the audit have the viewers vote on the best concepts both script and with the directors it uh, would be interesting if you had like i don't know a half dozen pilots from the the finalists from something like that you you run the pilots you know and and see who people vote for that would that is a kind of an interesting idea even an animated show what about a star trek animated show Oh, there are okay. Star Trek animated shows. I remember, I and voice actors Vic Mignato did uh, Kirk and uh, animated the original Star Trek animated or whatever it was called. I keep meaning to watch Short Treks or whatever, mm. little vignettes, whatever they are. All right. You want to take us out? I think you are the one taking us out today, Mike. Yeah. Do you want me to? to yeah. Else oh yeah. That we wanna... Yeah. 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 I think okay. we're. I think we're done. Done, son. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We had some laughs. We had some cries. Uh, we reminisced about them getting rid of the Enterprise. I <laughs> uh, hope you enjoyed thinking. yourself. Uh, don't forget to tell us how much your nerd dem feels offended in the comments below. Hopefully people go where no viewers have gone before and actually watch our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and comment into the comment section. Uh, people that aren't just looking for us to fucking subscribe to their channel. <laughs> uh, You're talking about uh, the bots. Yeah. Uh, catch us on Tuesday for another Top 10 Tuesday. And uh, have a wonderful weekend. Bye.